Good morning. There was um, one place to watch fireworks, I thought, especially this year that uh, nobody mentioned when Ryan was asking, and that's basically from any of your back porches, right? How many of you had, like, neighbors just, like, going crazy this year? Yeah, I thought more than ever, at least, at least where we were, and they got those big ones, too, those mortars that, boom, like, send them high in the air. Uh, they, they were all legal fireworks, I'm sure, right? <laughs> um, in, um, in honor of uh, Independence Day and the 4th of July, it's no coincidence that uh, we chose uh, to look at the movie Lincoln uh, this week in our God in the Movies sermon series. Um, the series isn't first and foremost to critique movies. Um, the series is designed to, oh, help us practice entering into the conversation over what culture is already talking about and fascinated with uh, popular movies. And maybe in our joining in, uh, finding opportunities uh, to talk about God or the things of God or what it means to follow Jesus, uh, to get people thinking uh, at least. And um, the movie Lincoln uh, has no shortage of uh, opportunities um, in which to talk uh, about God. Um, to set the stage and to begin with, as always, Burns and Cook are back um, with everything we need to know about Lincoln. Let's watch. Here's everything you need to know about Lincoln in four minutes, 49 seconds. Having won re-election in 1864, Abraham Lincoln's focus turns to completing the work begun by his Emancipation Proclamation, the abolition of slavery through the ratification of the 13th Amendment. I can't listen to this anymore. I can't accomplish a thing of any human meaning or worth until we cure ourselves of slavery and this amendment is that cure! But Lincoln is aware that the war is drawing to a close. It may even end within a month. And the return of the slave state representatives to Congress would all but ensure the amendment's defeat and, even worse, introduce the possibility that slaves already freed could be forced back into slavery. That's why I'd like to get the 13th Amendment through the House and on its way to ratification by the states, wrap the whole slavery thing up forever and I as soon as I'm able, now! Some of the Republican Party votes are assured, but not all. Lincoln must find a way to convince at least 20 Democrats to support the amendment. Lincoln's strategy is to pursue the 64 lame duck Democratic representatives. They have nothing to lose and Lincoln has jobs to offer the soon-to-be unemployed congressmen. Some of these offers are accepted, and some are not. As Lincoln's lobbyists work hard to secure Democratic votes, the amendment is debated on the House floor with drama and crude rhetoric that would earn today's C-SPAN, HBO's ratings. If Lincoln really were a tyrant, Mr. Wood, he'd have had your empty head impaled on a pike. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lincoln continues to struggle to convince his own party to support the amendment. The lobbyists work to incentivize the Democrats. The North continues its military strikes against the South, and a convoy is making its way from the South toward Washington with a peace proposal. If any one of these situations gets out of hand, the 13th Amendment is doomed. The lively House debates continue. 
I've asked you a question, Mr. Stevens, and you must answer me. Do you or do you not hold that the precept that all men are created equal is meant literally? How can I hold that all men are created equal when here before me stands stinking the moral carcass of the gentleman from Ohio, proof that some men are inferior, endowed by their maker with dim wits, impermeable to reason, with cold, pallid slime in their veins instead of hot red blood. How dare you? Yet even you, Pendleton, who should have been gibbeted for treason long before today, even worthless, unworthy you, ought to be treated equally before the law. As the day of the vote draws near, a desperate Lincoln does his own lobbying to ensure the vote. But it is still uncertain. One by one, the votes are cast. The bill must pass by a two-thirds majority. The final vote. Eight absent or not voting. Fifty-six votes against. One hundred and nineteen votes for. With 56 no's and 119 yeses, the amendment has passed by a mere two votes. But the cost of the amendment is that the war does not end, nor will President Lincoln ever see its ending. This story closes where we all knew it would, in Ford's theater. The president has been shot. <laughs> The comparisons uh, between Lincoln and Jesus um, are obvious, aren't they? In the words of uh, the prophet Isaiah, for example, both Jesus and Lincoln, it seems to me, made their lives work to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. And both men uh, did so against all odds and at great personal cost, sacrificing ultimately uh, their very lives. Jesus, of course, on the cross, as he was freeing people from being slaves to sin, both their own and that of the world. And Lincoln, uh, for American slaves, when only 10 weeks after Congress passed the 13th Amendment, only six days after General Lee surrendered, ending the Civil War, Lincoln became the first president assassinated in United States history at the hands of a man seeking vengeance from the South. 
Probably all of us um, have heard about Abraham Lincoln well before this movie and his uh, work to end slavery. The story's been told many times. I doubt very much any of us here at whatever level of schooling uh, that we've attended and covering American history didn't touch on and cover probably in some detail Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and the freedom of slaves. In focusing on this movie, uh, this take on Lincoln in particular, um, just wanted to share with you one thing this morning that struck me in particular uh, about this telling uh, of the Lincoln story. And that one thing I can describe in uh, different ways, but let me give it a shot. Um, What really hit me about this particular telling of the Lincoln story was just how driven this man was to his cause. Spielberg's Lincoln is an intense, passionate, emotional man consumed with ending slavery. He was all in all the time. He went to bed with it on his mind. It was his first thought when he woke up in the morning. He was burdened by it. He was brooding over it. He was wrestling with it with an intensity and a passion that struck me as something I'd never thought of before, that passionate, emotional uh, side of Lincoln, uh, until I saw this movie. Like like many of you, uh, I imagine, you know, I've studied uh, some of Lincoln's speeches, and while they're amazing speeches, you know, on paper written in that uh, kind of formal-sounding English prose of the 19th century, it's also proper, and, and the emotion that humanity doesn't come through sometimes to our ears with such flowery language, it seems to me. And I, I've been in Washington, D.C., as I know many of you have, or you've at least seen the pictures, right, of the Lincoln Memorial and Lincoln's a statue. I, I've stood before that statue, and there's Lincoln uh, seated, quiet, reserved, dignified, contemplative, and it's the same thing with all those old pictures of Lincoln, right? Photographs from uh, from that uh, early era in those days, you ever notice they, uh, um, they seldom caught many passionate expressions of people, right? I think in part because the earliest cameras, you just had to sit there for so long, you know, click. Maybe you get a small Mona Lisa type smile on some of those old photographs, but again, very stoic looking and feeling. And, and then this movie, Lincoln comes along, and oh my goodness, suddenly we see this man in flesh and blood, alive and kicking, and his passion and his intensity to help the helpless, to free slaves, comes right at you, and easily my favorite thing about this movie. I was drawn to that intense, driving, unwavering dedication of purpose to helping the helpless. And such passion is compelling and captivating, isn't it? It makes you think. It made me think, whoa, I would like to have that. Clarity, intensity, relentless passion and purpose. And I'd like to have that for helping those who need help in particular. I was watching the movie and it struck me as the comparisons between what Lincoln did in sacrificing his life really toward the freedom of slaves. I 
struck me, I, I imagine Jesus having a similar intensity about him. Not um, the passive uh, Greek philosophizing teacher that um, I so often read about by some, but an intensity about him, a clear purpose he went after with all his heart and all his soul and all his might, oh, to have been around uh, Jesus. I bet his passion and intensity was compelling and captivating. And his clear purpose, too, rooted in and, and driven by his deep and relentless love for people stuck in sin. The next clip um, I want to show you uh, has Lincoln talking with his advisors. You saw a portion of it, but uh, wanted to let it breathe a, a bit. His advisors have just done their best to talk Lincoln out of it and to tell him that what he wants is impossible and he ought to just give up the 13th Amendment freeing the slaves and leave the Constitution alone. And Lincoln has finally had enough. His passion ignites. For the helpless. Let's watch. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. We're stepped out upon the world stage now. Now! With the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilt to afford us this moment. Now! Now, now! And you grousel and heckle and dodge about like pettifogging Tammany Hall hucksters. See what is before you. See the here and now. That's the hardest thing. The only thing that accounts. Abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. Two votes stand in its way. These votes must be procured. We need two yeses, three abstentions, four, four yeses and, and one more abstention and the amendment will pass. You got a night and a day and a night and several perfectly good hours. Now get them. Yes, but how? Buzzards, God's man. I am the president of the United States of America clothed in immense power. You will procure me these votes. What, um, what in your life ignites such intense passion? What purpose in your life draws such a reaction from you? Or do we instead um, grousel and heckle and dodge about like pettifogging Tammany Hall hucksters? It's fun to say that because it feels like you're cursing, but 
I love his line about being clothed in immense power. You know, you could cast this movie as being about uh, power. And the question asked of it and of power and answered is something like, what did Lincoln do with his immense power? He used it to come what may to help the helpless. He was passionate about helping them, and he used his power to do it as best he could. And do you know what? Followers of Jesus, we're clothed with immense power too. His name's the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, who dwells within each of us. Do you believe it? And the question I think that we need to ask and answer is the same as in the movie Lincoln. What will we do now with such immense power? And the biblical answer, it seems to me, is the same as it was for Lincoln. We're to use our power to help the helpless. We're to be passionate and driven to help the helpless and to use our power to do it as best we can. You know, sometimes I think we lose our passion for helping people because um, we feel powerless to do it, our, powerless over our own self-interest inclinations, powerless against uh, the forces of the world um, um, that make it seem impossible to help so much uh, agony and so much pain. And, and our faith in the power of God in us wavers. The movie Lincoln uh, reminded me again that we're powerful when we work together with the Holy Spirit to accomplish loving others in particular. And it seems to me our lives should mirror Lincoln's in, in our passion to use our power to help those who need help, to love others no matter the cost. And when our lives mirror Lincoln's in that way, our lives mirror the life of Jesus Christ. For me, perhaps the greatest talking point uh, about this movie with those who perhaps don't know the Lord or who know him and need to unlearn or relearn something about him, the greatest talking point of this movie might well be to remind people that Christian faith and following Jesus is first and foremost about helping others. Unfortunately, statistics continue to pile that the word Christian in the marketplace isn't first associated with helping others. Boy, that should concern us, it seems to me. It should be in the same way that when you hear Lincoln, you think of, ah, a passion for freeing the slaves. And when you hear Jesus, you think, ah, a passion for loving others. And when you hear Christian, you think, shouldn't it be the same? That's the whole scroll. That's the whole Bible, my friends, on who we must be as followers of Jesus, who we get to be. Passionate, intense folks using the immense power we've given, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, the power of being created in the image of God with amazing gifts, all focusing on loving God by loving others, especially those who are helpless and need it most. 
I've got a homework assignment for you. I tried this uh, years ago myself, but it didn't last long. My passion for it fizzled out, unfortunately. And Lincoln inspired me um, to try it again. So I'm going to, and I'm inviting you all to try it too. Here's our assignment, if um, you're willing. Each day, maybe that's too much to ask. As often as you can, ask someone in your life the following question. How can I help you? How can I help you today? What could I do for you? That's it. But that's it. Husbands and wives, you want to bless and empower and deepen your marriages like you wouldn't believe? Practice waking up each morning and say, good morning, honey. How can I help you today? Kids, you want to shock and render your parents speechless? <laughs> Bounce into their room in the morning and say, hey, mom, hey, dad. Great to see you. They might fall over at that. And then ask them, I was wondering, what could I do for you today? And to be fair, parents, you want to shock and render your kids speechless, many of us? How about opening with that, uh, with that line and that question with your kids? Morning, Ben. Morning, Danny. Morning, Peter. What can I do for you today? Oh, the power of that question sincerely asked. And P.S., it needs to be sincerely answered, too. If someone asks you that question now this week, resist the urge to answer, well, you can start with, stop being an idiot. Oh, the power of that question, sincerely asked and answered. I love the focus that that question can bring when asked regularly to our day, not only our day, but to our lives. It, if we get in the habit of using that regularly, what a great reminder, if not teacher um, and life changer even, that we're not here for our own purpose. Life's not our vacation time. But instead, we're here to love others as ourselves and to lay down our lives like Lincoln did and Jesus, of course, before him. How can I help you today? Try it for a week. And then, um, if you would, let me know. 
how it goes. I'd like to hear. And you know, it doesn't need to be big things, you know, like abolishing slavery in America. That's been done. But it can be little things, because little things add up to big things. With however you're gifted, with however you're able, with whatever you can do, it can be little things. I was talking about the message with John Burns this past week, and he gave me a quote from Mother Teresa, one that I hadn't heard before. Many of you know Mother Teresa gave her life in helping the helpless. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. She said this, I don't do great things, only small things with great love. I don't do great things, only small things with great love. Do you hear the irony in that? There aren't too many people, are there, with a greater legacy of helping others than Mother Teresa? And so maybe it's in the small things with great love that are indeed great things. And I want to ask Mother Teresa someday, if you read uh, about her, uh, she had a very sharp wit. I'm almost sure she caught the irony with a twinkle in her eye when she said this, as if to say, you know what, here's what the great things are. It's lots of little things done with great love. There's a line in the movie where Lincoln says, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, he says, we, each of us, bear what we bear, and you can either lighten that load or make it intolerable. It's your choice. And oh my, isn't that the truth? It's true about anyone and everyone you and I will meet today or this week. They're all bearing what they bear. They're all bearing their stuff because we all have our stuff that's heavy, that's hard, that's difficult, and they're bearing it, everyone you meet. And you have a choice. You can either lighten that load or you can make it intolerable even by ignoring it. What will you do? Maybe ask them, how can I help you today? And you know, if given an opportunity to talk about the movie Lincoln and the culture out there, maybe it's time has come and go, I don't know, but assuredly a movie with the same theme will come along again. Maybe you can tell them about the comparisons between a Lincoln figure and Jesus. and Maybe you can tell them about how the Christian faith is first and foremost about helping others. Or maybe you just simply ask a seeker this question. How can I help you today? And when we ask that question sincerely, we will show them the face of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us um, a man like Abraham Lincoln to show how, um, however imperfect man can be a whole lot like Jesus in his intense passion for those who need help. Father, we would be like that 
too, like your son. Give us, Father, the ability to indeed surrender all. To surrender the idol of me, my, and mine. And to give it in love to others so that the world may know who you are. Father, I don't know if the movie Lincoln or any other movie would give us, any of us in here, an opportunity to talk about you. But should it, please find us ready, willing, and able to join in the conversation of culture, even using their stories. Give us the words in that context to point people to you. Even if it's only the question, hey, how can I help you today? Father, we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning? Comes from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. God's speaking, and there's a theme. See if you can catch it. And God says this. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.